Um, sorry, I'm just trying to adjust. I got a new mic screen thing for isolating the sound. Oh, you got the uh, the thing you showed me? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, cool. background thing. Because now that I'm in London, I wanted to get something to block out the ambient sounds of um, fish and chip shops and chimney sweeps and stereotypical English policemen. Sure. I mean, I hear those those chimney sweeps never stop singing. Yeah. Actually, hold on. Let, just stop for a second. Let's see, hear if we can hear it. You get that? Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. It sounded, um, I think that was the Queen. You want some bangers and mash? <laughs> yeah. Sh- yes, Your Majesty. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's a that's, different one, isn't it? That's Austria. <laughs> Okay, I wasn't really able to raise the mic, so I lowered the chair, and it's really uncomfortable. But my my face is right in front of the mic. You what? My face. I lowered the chair, so my face is in front of the mic, but my knees are underneath my chin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all for the audio quality, Richie. I'm, I'm, oh, you can tell. It sounds amazing. Okay, sounds amazing. Good. Um, what are we? What are we doing? It feels like it's been a while since we recorded remotely. It has. I'm not used to this uh, now. Oh man! No, I got I I just got used to looking at your ugly mug in person, and now I have to to not look at it, which I guess is okay. Oh. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you ugly, Steve. That was completely uncalled for. You're a very handsome man. I don't really know what my response to be was was supposed to be. There, I was like, yeah, sorry, I don't know where that came. I came from a bad place, Steve, and you didn't deserve that. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna eat these gummy bears now and not not say anything back. <laughs> oh. Uh, here, actually, I think this this little anecdote is um, relevant to uh, what we're going to be chatting about today. But you know the way we recorded that episode on Russia? Yep. Uh, well, so both my parents and my girlfriend at different times made comments with varying degrees of seriousness about hoping that Putin uh, doesn't find out and get mad at us <laughs> about the episode. Now, I dismissed this at the time. You know, our numbers have been growing, but I don't think they'll ever be, to, um, ever be at a point where Big Papa Putin is ever even remotely aware of us gobshites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, about a week ago, I uh, I went to look at the download stats. And when I lo- went to look at the regional the regional data, I noticed that we had some downloads in the Russian Federation. Oh, dear. And yeah, not, not big numbers, like 19 or something like that, something small. But S- Steve, would you think less of me if I told you that I believe that Big Papa Putin was responsible for every single one of those downloads and that he listened... To that episode 19 times and then with each passing listen he got angrier and angrier and that i'm now half expecting to encounter a, like a, a james bond-esque femme fatale type uh russian lady um who follows me on the tube tomorrow would you think less of me if i told you all that you had me up until your uh, choice of assassination because now i know you didn't learn anything from the last thing he poisons people that's his game and now i'm wondering if these gummy bears i'm eating are actually radioactive i mean is that oh why God. is that why they're <laughs> well, maybe is that- no. He just chose to off us using our, our particular um, vice of choice. For oh. me, it's beautiful women. For you, it's gummy bears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this anecdote started with you telling me about how your girlfriend was mentioning this to you. Are you sure you want to tell everyone that your vice is following Russian women <laughs> around the women. tube? <laughs> You're not allowed to cut that out. <laughs> Veto. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kate. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm terrified. Well, it's a possibility. I don't know. We could be um, doing all this again. 
Yeah. Because we're going to talk about uh, a similarly controversial and dangerous country. With a similarly... Luxembourg. <laughs> it's Luxembourg first and then, God, we're going to go on to the Belgians and don't even mention the waffles. Is that is that a um, a racial slur? You call them waffles, Steve? No, Belgian, Belgians. Belgian waffles, Richie. It's like I know, but I know. I just think it'd be funny to call all oh, those fucking waffles in here. <laughs> okay, look, let's get funny now. Let's talk about North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What am North Korea? North Korea. What am North Korea? Um, it's a country, and it's on the north part of Korea. <laughs> the end. They didn't like. He didn't. It's not actually on the south part, and that's just part of their their way of keeping things secret. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's, it's actually, not where you think it is. It's actually like east, it's actually it's off the east. coast of Galway, <laughs> which is west. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, okay, so that place called Korea in Asia is divided up in two, and everyone knows about the crack pit part, the crack pot part, the crack pit, the crack <laughs> crack pit. It's the pit where it keeps all his crack. I just oh shit! I'm just after creating a tongue twister. But <laughs> that crack pot part. Did I say that? Oh, crackpot part. Crackpot part. That's easy to say. Oh, for fuck's sakes. You're shite. <laughs> um, it's a country of about 25 million people. I didn't know, actually, I got, I got these stats myself and I didn't realise it was actually that big. Yeah. It's about the size of England, but a lot less densely populated. 85% of it are horrible lumpy mountains, which means that only... <laughs> Sorry, I thought we were still talking about the population. 85 percent like of the 25 people. 25 million people, and then 85 percent of it is horrible, lumpy. And I was like, "What are you? Go- where are you going with this?" <laughs> ugly, ugly people, Richie. It's it's one of the reasons they they struggle so badly. Oh lord. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. they're not ugly. They're beautiful people. That's not. It's hard to know because we never get to see them. True. 85 uh, percent of them is mountains, and only about 15 percent of that of the non-mountain part is actually you're able to turn it into like farmland it makes it pretty hard to feed your people and all these things yeah. are adding up to make a pretty crap place to live if it wasn't just for the regime that was sitting there making things really bad as well right so it's geography and politics that's making this a less than ideal place exactly but this isn't what I'm geography this is what I'm politics so we'll move right. we'll move swiftly this on is, this, sir, Steve this is barely what I'm politics <laughs> we can't even bring in another subject <laughs> that's true okay uh, but we do still have to talk about history but since like most of politics is made up of history that's okay Mm-hmm. So the Koreans have been like pretty separate and unique country down around Asia for quite a long time, for six hundred years, um, up until like the start of the twentieth century, they had their own kingdom. It was like the Korean kingdom, run by the same um, family, P- pretty like medieval feudal style. They weren't that advanced. It was like one king, and he was in charge, and everyone else was basically just his subject. Um. And that was the way it was going up until the Japanese uh, looked at them in the 1910s and said, we want that. So then they, yeah. <laughs> dibs. Yeah, pretty much just dibs. And uh, the, the Koreans were like, what? And then, well, well, army of occupation, all the way up to the Manchurian Chinese border. Um, and like 1910, so that's about up until 1945. That's a good 35 years of occupation. And mm. from what I can tell, and indeed like most of the legacy, they're still fighting over this. The Japanese weren't very nice to them. No. Yeah, there was lots of enforced labor. There was lots of random killings. There was, um, this is something that's actually going on at the moment. Um, the Korean Koreans are trying to get recognition for the fact that loads of women were forced into uh, prostitution by the Japanese as comfort women. It was called back then. Oh my god, that's yeah. awful. And um, 
the Japanese are actually trying to stop this getting recognized at the UN. Um, they want to they want to put it in. Apparently, the UN has like a big book of all the terrible things that humans have done to each other to try so they can, they can keep a record of it to try and remind people to try and stop doing that. Yeah, and uh, and if it's not like backed up on the cloud or anything, so if that book went missing. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they keep two copies just in case. Uh, okay, and I'm not sure if it is actually a physical book. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> Although it might be. I mean, the UN's pretty archaic. It's like the book of grievances. It's just like the big book of shite blokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Japanese are actually trying to stop that now. That's just, that's, that's kind of neither here nor there. That's got more to do with South Korea than North Korea. Um, right. So after the Japanese lost in World War Two, um, they quickly... The United States and the Soviets were like, okay, this part of this part of Asia, that that that's Korea again. That's not part of the Japanese Empire. And the Russians had come from the north, the Soviets, and the US were in Japan, so they were there at the south. And the two of them were kind of looking at each other over this peninsula because you know the shape of Korea. It looks like a dangly bit hanging off the side of China there. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like Italy, I guess you could say, but kind of hanging off there. Yeah, I know. I know all about it, Steve. <laughs> so they were look. They were looking across this dangly bit of Asia, and <laughs> they couldn't make up their mind as to who could get control of what and what kind of what kind of, um, like what kind of future this country should have. Mm-hmm. So first they were like, okay, look, we'll just we'll look after it for a while. We'll get it back on their feet, and then we'll let them have elections, and they can decide what they want to do for themselves. This is at 1945. Mm-hmm. By the end of 1945, going into 46, the whole Cold War thing was happening very quickly. And the Soviets and the Americans weren't happy anymore about letting them have free elections because then they were both afraid that the entire country would move to one side or the other, basically become communist or democratic, free market capitalist like the Americans wanted. Mm -hmm. So they said, okay, there's this line called the 38th parallel, which is one of the lines that run across the map of the planet. You know, like those, are they longitudes or latitudes? Which one are the ones that go along the side, not top to bottom? Uh, latitude goes along the side. Longitude goes top to bottom. Okay, I think. Yeah, that's it. Wait, hold on. Let's look this up. Oh my god! Google break. I well, I'm only doing this because I've got a fancy new wireless keyboard, and I've been looking for any excuse to type anything. (laughs) Longitude festival is a festival in. No, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, latitude festival east to west. Okay, so latitude. Longitude is east to west, latitude is, is north to south. Oh, we were way off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's way off is like, we were, yeah, there's only, there's a right and a wrong, a very clear right and a wrong. And we, we were wrong. We were wrong. Okay. So the 38th parallel is one of the, I've forgotten already, one of the, <laughs> one of the latitudes. <laughs> it is a miracle that we can just like marshal enough of our, our thoughts together to put out a podcast on a semi-regular basis. I know. I mean, <laughs> that's why we need to get more people on to cover this shit. I've written it down, yeah. but I, I forgot to write down the facts. And then I got hung up on the fact that I don't know that little fact. And then we have yeah. these five minute tangents. Anyway. Yeah. Longitude is east to west. I'm just going to Google latitude to make absolutely sure. Again, I just want to type. I really hope it's Lati- a- There's also a latitude festival. There's a longitude festival and a latitude festival. And what never will the twain meet. And yeah. uh, latitude, yeah, nor- latitude is north to south. Yeah. Okay. So wait. <laughs> it's so simple, Steve. You just changed the route. Latitude is isn't. 
Hold on. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, latitude is north to south, longitude is east to west. I said that. Okay, okay, okay. Right, let's just move on quickly. So there's a third, there's a line on the map that runs across Korea called the 38th parallel. Okay. That divides the country in two. Okay? North into and south. Into what? Ha, 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 ha. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Go on. North and south. North Korea, North south and Korea. South. America, yeah. America took South Korea, put their dudes in charge. Uh, Soviets took North Korea, put their dudes in charge. Um, the Since we're talking about North Korea, let's go on about that one. Right. So the Soviets put people that they liked in charge and uh, the fellow that they liked was a guy called Kim Il-sung, who mm. is the granddaddy of the Kim dynasty. So he's actually the granddad of the guy like who's the li- in charge like now. When you say granddaddy of the dynasty, he's the literal granddaddy. It's not like... No, it's not a, It's not like a euphemism or or like okay. a, a, a grand title. He is actually the grandfather of the current leader. Okay. Yeah, they've made a literal dynasty like, like mon- mon- monarchical style. Monarchy star. Longitude. Uh, Go on. Okay, there. So um, they put him in charge. He uh, he was like, yeah, sure. I'll set up a a Soviet communist uh, place up here and uh, I'll gather all my shit together. Um, And then the guys in the South were like, no, we'll set up our own freedom-loving American democracy, which didn't actually work so well, but we'll get onto that later. And the two of them, even though the 38th parallel was running across, they weren't like, we're not going to agree that this is just a straight line dividing the entire thing were going to snip and fight and they were like there were little skirmishes between the two sides along the border until eventually um, between sorry between north, um, north and south Korea yeah but between is that like with America and no. Russia fighting through proxies it's actual Koreans yeah actual Koreans fighting the proxy bit didn't happen yet so okay. but it did right now because um, oh. uh, Kim was looking at the south and he's like "My, I got my shit together I got a pretty significant army I can go and take that and I'll have myself an entire Korea Mm. And the Soviets said, look, dude, you can do what you want. We're not going to back you up, but we're not going to get involved just in case it causes a nuclear war with the United States. And Seems fair. Yep. He was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to attack it. And sure, look, them Americans, they don't give a crap about what goes on in Korea. They're too busy trying to rebuild Japan and, you know, sort the rest of the world out. And there's all this crap mm-hmm. going on in Europe at the same time. They're about to f- they might be fighting the Soviets over there. So this is our chance. Let's take it. So they launched a massive invasion and pretty much pushed the army of South Korea all the way down to the bottom of the dangly bit, which is the Korean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. And... They were wrong, though, because the Americans turned around and goes, whoa, hang on there, buddy. We were we we liked that little bit of uh, the peninsula that we had going for our side. And mm-hmm. they were worried that if they let that part fall, then it would just give incentives for Soviet regimes to take over most of the rest of the world. So they were like, no, we're not going to let one fall. If we let one fall, they're all going to fall. And they called right. it like the domino effect theory. It's kind of the same thing, the same thinking that they had in most other conflicts they got involved in, like in Vietnam and those kind of places. So yeah, they, they don't want to establish a uh, precedent. Yeah, exactly. They they want to say, look, we're we're all in or we're not in at all. So they they sent mm-hmm. they sent an army up there, a good few hundred thousand American soldiers, and they the North Koreans were not able to handle it. They got pushed all the way back up, pretty much. Sorry, what year what year was this war? And this is all going around like forty eight, forty nine. I think it went up until fifty, and those numbers are probably wrong because they didn't write them down. But it's around <laughs> that time, late forties, early fifties. Tweet at Steve. <laughs> what am wrong about this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the Americans and the South Koreans managed to push the North Koreans all the way back up. And I'm going to say back up, they're right at the border with China now. And it looked like that the opposite was about to happen, that the people that were in charge of South Korea have got full control of the peninsula. They were going to be the ones to get to establish a pro-friendly American Korea right up to mm-hmm. the border with China. 
China had just gotten its shit together after World War II. Their their dictator Mao looked at that and he goes, oh shit, I do not like the idea of having a pro-American um, regime on my border. And not only that, there's a good chance that American troops can be stationed at a military base right up my front door. I do not like right. this. So they went and they threw hundreds of thousands of Chinese soldiers into the, into the fight. And the Chinese pushed the Americans and the South Koreans back to the 38th parallel. <laughs> Oh my God, this is such a heave-ho. I know, that's exactly what it was. It was like a big tug of war going back and forward, up and down the peninsula. And then eventually, that's where it stopped. Back at the 38th parallel, back where it all started. And yeah. there was a truce agreed between North and South. And the Americans didn't want to escalate it too much. I mean, there was a bit of, there was a bit of to and fro um, in the, the President, the Truman regime, because some of his generals actually wanted to go all in, start using nuclear weapons, start using that as an example against... Um, other kind of communist regimes that try and you know, like wag their fingers and say, look, this is what we're willing they to do. They, they wanted to nuke North Korea? Yeah, exactly. As an example. Yeah. Um, I think it was General MacArthur. I, yeah, I think it was him that did it. And he actually got sacked because he said it publicly um, by the president. And yeah. the president was like, look, no, we're just, we'll, we'll, we'll take it as this. We've gotten back to where we started. Let's just call a peace and move on. And that's what they did. And... They signed a truce and they agreed to like a demilitarized zone along the border, like about probably three miles on each side. And mm -hmm. they never actually signed a formal peace treaty up until this day. So America didn't. Uh, no, America never signed it with North Korea. The South oh. Koreans never signed it with North Korea. And basically North and South Korea don't recognize each other's regimes as official other governments. They both still consider each other the like the de facto rulers of the entire peninsula. Oh, so they so each side um, has like a sense of entitlement to the other. Yeah. Okay. And oh. they so yeah, and not only that, but like that the, the, there is no peace. There technically is still a state of war, and that's actually right. part of the reason why the North Koreans get to justify why they're so bonkers all the time because they're like we are still at war from that war that started all the way back in the fifties. So they can do like missile tests and stuff, and so yeah, it's justified. Well. Not necessarily justified because the rest of the world doesn't let them, doesn't, doesn't give them the justification by going, oh no, it's totally cool. Yeah, it's fine. But <laughs> at least to themselves, that's why they justified. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I meant. So now, um, up, 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 right up until say the, so up in the sixties and the seventies, they just went on with their, their two countries organizing and, and, and building. Um, North Korea actually, um, by being given huge support from the Soviet Union, Russia, they actually did pretty well up until about the 70s or the 80s. They had a way better standard of living than the South Koreans because they actually didn't get their shit together for quite a while. Right. Um, they, they had a bit of trouble. They had some dictators. They couldn't get their economy off the ground. Whereas North Korea were doing pretty good and a lot of people were doing quite nicely. Um, they had pretty good education system. The people were pretty well fed. So relatively, North Koreans were better off up until around the 70s when all of a sudden the South Koreans got their shit together and became, within a couple of decades, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, like you see them today. What was the catalyst for that, do you know? Um, I think it was kind of tied into, like, a couple of, like, they kind of copied the Japanese model of putting a lot of effort into these corporations that could build products for export. So the likes right. of Samsung and Hyundai, the car company, the technology company, I think for a while they were backed by the dictatorship and then the dictatorship stepped down and they agreed to like do the democracy and people like making money with democratic countries. So more money from abroad came in and it just all worked out that 
they got they get they got their act together and got a decent economy going. And once they did that, they jumped way ahead of the North Koreans in terms of living standards. Right. And right. but North Korea was still doing relatively okay. They were still getting good funding from the Soviets. A little bit less as the years went on, though, because the Soviets had their own problems to deal with and they were, didn't have as much resources to divvy out to other places. And then when the Soviet Union fell, as we covered in the Russia episode uh, mm-hmm. in ninety one, it officially fell. And um, they all the support the North Korea was getting was gone. And like I said, they were kind of relying on them for like fossil fuels, for food, because it, it, they don't really have access to that kind of shit on their in, in their own border. Well, yeah, if only 15 percent of their yeah. land mass is, is, you know, useful. Is useful. Um, yeah, is arable. And um, so they, yeah, they got in quite in, they got in quite a lot of trouble pretty quickly. And um, that also coincided with uh, the original Kim, who was ruling right up until this time. He died and passed on the regime to his son, Kim Jong-il, who mm. is famous because of Team America, among other things. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, the second Kim came in charge and he he quickly seen what happened in all those Soviet regimes across the world that fell when the Soviet Union fell. And he did not want that to happen because he didn't think it would uh, end up too well for himself, his family and his cronies. So he doubled down. He doubled down on the regime and um, it made it a lot, a lot harder to live there. There were like the whole cult of personality thing that his dad liked to use quite a lot. And he doubled down on that and said, look, the only reason we're managing to survive against that evil empire wanting to knock knock on our door is because I'm a strong leader and I hold our strong nation together through utter and total um, subjugation of the people. So yeah, it didn't go too well in the nineties. They uh, they had a couple of serious famines. Um, nearly seven million people died in one of them. Oh my yeah. god! And I, like as I said, out of a country of about twenty five million people, so I guess maybe they had more of a population back then. But it was still like a big heap, big portion Christ. of the population. Like you yeah. know, the Irish still go on about that famine that happened back in the eighteen fifties or whenever. Yeah, they yeah. yeah they've had that only a couple of decades ago. The equivalent of that. Jesus. Yeah, so it was pretty feckin' bad. So Kim Jong-il, he went along for a while. He was interested in building nuclear weapons. He was doing this and that. He was kicking up a fuss every so often. But then they would kind of do a deal and they would back off and he would agree to do this and that. But then he would change his mind a couple of years later, flare up again. Mm -hmm. And that kind of went on and on and on. And the Chinese were, they stepped into the Soviet position of supporting them because the Chinese still don't like the idea of of North Korea falling and South Korea basically becoming Korea and and the American ally being on their doorstep. So that's one of the reasons why they still hold up the, um, they still hold up the South. We can actually talk about the Chinese influence because they, they're kind of one of the big important um, factors in North Korea today. So Steve, sorry, can we just take a quick pause? It's incredibly humid in London and I need to take off some layers because <laughs> uh, I had to, I had to clo- I had to close my windows to stop the sound from the road coming in and my room's after again fucking hot <laughs> and I, need to, I can't take off I have my headphones on so I need to remove those and I didn't want to go for it miss out so can you give me a hot second well it is a hot second ah uh, <laughs> hold on feeling better oh, so, it's so much better it's so humid in london oh my god do you need to take another break later on to take off your pants uh that will see what well, time will tell <laughs> okay where were we china uh yeah so china are pretty important for the current political situation because they stepped into the soviet 
um, space in that they're the main backers of North Korea. So North, right. North Korea, it couldn't really survive if it didn't have a major power backing it up. They don't have the food. They don't have the resources. They need someone to give them to give them these things. Um, mm-hmm. And once the Soviets fell apart, China stepped in. But China aren't as as forthcoming with uh, support because they they don't like the Kim regime. They don't like the crazy shit that they do all the time. They don't like being the international power that has to get given out to by everyone else whenever North Korea throw their toys out of the pram and start threatening to nuke everyone in the world. China like sigh and go, oh God, here they go again. It's kind of like they're the really annoying neighbor that for some reason they have the task with explaining to the cops not to arrest them all the time. <laughs> so... I, North Korea Obviously because yeah. I can picture A neighbour I've had in my past Who's exactly like that He was a North Korea to me <laughs> Anyway go on So China's main uh, They got three main um, Objectives For North Korea They don't want any war Because War is bad They like making money They like doing this They don't like Wars going off In their neighbourhood So no war Of course No nuclear No, no nuclear weapons On the peninsula Which includes South Korea They don't Right. They like having the nuclear weapons in the area. They're okay with the Americans having the nuclear weapons because they can't take them off them. So they don't mm-hmm. like the idea of either North or South getting nukes because nukes just make things even more dangerous. And they also don't want instability in the peninsula because they kind of like the status quo. They don't mind having North Korea up there. They're only ruining their own lives and they don't mind having South Korea down in the South who are willing to trade with China. So they're kind of okay with the things as it is. So they don't like... They, they try to make sure that things don't get too crazy so... It might lead to some potential domino effect and some crazy war happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also, and like I said, they don't want regime change because they know what they know that they can deal with what they have to a relative extent. They they they've been talking to these guys for decades, and they they know the people that they're in charge. And even if there is, even if the Kims seem to progressively get more crazy as the next generation take over, they're pretty confident that they're able to control all the guys that back him up. Right. Even if he does keep on feeding people, he thinks to, are too Chinese, too chi- too pro-China, too dogs, which is a real thing. That's a, that's a literal. That's not a euphemism. No, um, apparently, whenever he finds out that, like, I think he did this to his uncle, who was apparently, um, so he apparent Kim, the present Kim, um, Kim Jong Un, he is pretty wary of the idea of China having too much influence because I think he might be afraid that he thinks that China might like think he's too crazy and try and get rid of him and put someone else in charge that they think now why would he think that <laughs> well i don't know anyway he found <laughs> out that his uncle had got pretty close to what well, he probably he already knew he always knew that his uncle had got pretty close ties to china and he waited for a couple of years for, to get himself like firmly in power turned around and said mm-hmm. you're 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 a traitor uncle and uh you're going to get fed to the dogs ramsey bolton style and that actually happened oh my god yeah, and, and that's like a documented thing that's yeah yeah that's pretty it's pretty well established that that's that actually happened. Um, oh my god I don't think they're, um, I don't think the Korean, like the Korean media is basically one news outlet controlled entirely by the regime and they are not shy about publicizing these things yeah. because they basically, it's, it's part of the propaganda. So the poor people, they've got it very bad. They're basically being treated like slaves essentially to work and feed the regime. But at the same time, if you're in the elite, um, you've got to watch your back as well because this psychotic kid who well he's not a kid anymore he's in his mid-30s now but this psychotic <laughs> bastard he could turn around yeah. and decide that he doesn't like you and as i said shoot you feed you to dogs i don't know put you on a feckin' hot air balloon let you up and then pop it just because he feels like it oh. i don't know if that last one's true but 
Actually, that sounds like that might be <laughs> the, the, like a semi-pleasant way to die. Oh, I didn't question it when you said <laughs> it. <laughs> so anyway, back to the Chinese. Um, they try their best to try and keep things as stable as they can. They they do trade with North Korea when other people won't. They they buy coal off them in exchange for cash, in exchange for oil, the kind of things that North Korea is desperate for. And they send in food. They let North Korean people come across the border to work in Chinese factories in exchange for uh, currency as well. Because it's pretty hard for North Korea to get foreign currency because they're they're so... They're so sectioned off and sanctioned off from the rest of the world. And the elites mm-hmm. like to buy fancy things, but they don't have any cash to buy it with. So these are like the few areas that they can actually go and get some decent cash to buy um, cars and feckin' electronics and all the things that they're not able to access themselves. Sure. Um, But it is also the easiest way for a North Korean to get across the border and flee to, uh, flee to freedom is actually true that... That North, that North Korean uh, China border, when people kind of go back and forward working every so often, I'd say a good few of them do. Like if 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 you wanted to try and get through, that would be the best way to do it. And that's something that happens a lot. It does happen quite a lot. Um, from what I could tell, quite a lot of the women who make it across, they don't fare so well, and they get basically <sighs> captured by Chinese gangsters and forced into kind of prostitution. And oh my god, that's human awful. trafficking! Jesus Christ! Uh, some some of the women do manage to break out again, and there's a quite there's a couple of good books actually. Um, I can't remember the name of the book, but I'll get it for the show notes. And um, yeah, some people like it. that was a recent one that people consider like a really good story of like an an, an ordinary North Korean girl who managed to uh, escape to freedom, and then she got pre- she's pretty articulate and she's quite good at telling her story. So. Back to the semi-funny stuff. Do you want to know what the Chinese? Do you know what the Chinese elites call um, Kim? What their nickname is? Oh no, I couldn't even guess. What it's is uh, it? Kim Fatty the Third. <laughs> it's very on the nose, isn't yeah. it? It's not very. I was looking at photos. There's a there's a pretty good Tumblr called uh, Kim Jong Un looking at things. <laughs> but it's just it's photographs from the North Korean propaganda with him just like looking at things and pointing and the, like the caption will be Kim looking at a missile and he's just standing beside a missile looking at it Kim looking at some babies and it's just Kim looking at some babies <laughs> so I'll add that to the show notes as well definitely it's, it's fucking brilliant and th- this is the second generation of uh, Kim looking at things Tumblr that existed as well they had one for his dad too <laughs> great um, the Chinese uh, they make fun of his hairstyle they make fun of the fact that he surrounds himself with women they make fun of him quite a lot, which I presume gets back to him as well and doesn't help with his, uh, the chip. Like, do you mean when they make fun of him, like, like not the government itself, no. but like in the media in the Chinese media? Yeah, exactly. The Chinese media that they know, like, like their equivalent SNL or whatever. Yeah. Or even maybe the national newspapers. Oh, wow. <laughs> and like the, the me like the, the, like there's quite a, uh, there's quite a healthy social media. I think it's called Weijibo is their version of Twitter, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the government doesn't do anything to try and stop them which I presume pisses off um, Kim Fatty III quite a lot. Um, but <laughs> That name's grown on me now, actually. <laughs> but they still don't want to see the regime fall because they don't want the idea of South Korean, North Korean, uh, as the South Korean troops marching to the border with Americans standing right behind them. They're pretty happy with having North Korea sitting there as a nice little physical buffer. Yeah. And um, so they're just kind of hoping that, like, for example, there's a, like, there's a mini crisis going on at the moment. Well, it's... Not necessarily a mini crisis. We'll get onto that later, but it's a proper crisis, and they're they're just hoping that the North Koreans stop waving their big nuclear weapons around, sit back down, and just let people get back onto it than the way that they were going. Mm. They even kind of maybe hope that um, North Korea will follow China's path and kind of de-radicalize their Soviet regime, kind of move to capitalism, and then like 
slowly move towards some version of like freedom? Because I mean, to no extent is China considered a free and healthy democracy, but in comparison to how it used to be, it's like they're getting along okay. Yeah. And they're slowly but surely moving towards a more stable less totalitarian path and they're kind of hoping that North Korea will take a page from their book and and move on and what are the odds of that though uh, we'll get to that at the end like as a wrap up so yeah yeah. yeah. I'll, sorry I'm jumping the I'll, gun I'm jumping the I'll, gun I'll save that tasty little nugget ooh this we call that f- uh, sizzle a little bit of sizzle for the end <laughs> in case people are about to turn it off yeah don't turn it off yeah don't turn it off I know I, I, I took I, there was a bit there where I took off some clothes and I don't know whether that scared off some people but it's okay stick with it's it an aud- there's it's, some, an, some- it's an audio medium so they can like they can imagine your head on top of whatever hot oh I'm adding pictures to the show notes <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> if, uh, if you want to imagine uh, Richie's body just think of uh, Will Ferrell like when he's had a quiet week <laughs> Oh, that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me, I think. I think Will Ferrell's a very handsome man. Shut up. Well, I'm John C. Riley, so I don't see how I win either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other great power that North Korea have to deal with is the United States. Um, yeah. Pretty much since the Soviets fell, the US have been swinging their big single super superpower dong around the place and <laughs> um, saying that y'all got to bow down to us. So... They, North Koreans pretty much had to deal with them immediately. And part of the whole craziness that they went through in the 90s, combined with the fact that they had to try and hold the regime together during a massive famine, was that they also wanted to make sure that the USA knew that any attempt to try and attack North Korea would be bad for them or to try and enforce a, a change in the regime. Because the United States do have a tendency to do that when they don't like who's in charge. They do like to move in and try and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They've done it in quite a lot of places. It'd probably take way too long to try and list them. Mm-hmm. So Bill Clinton was the first president who kind of had to deal with them. And his tactic was to negotiate. He wanted to try and negotiate with them, try and offer them sweeties in exchange for being nicer. And mm-hmm. um, it didn't really work. The regime kept on going just as bonkers as before. George Bush stepped in and he was a little, he was like, I'm stricter. I'm going to be less, less accommodating. I'm going to threaten them. I'm going to do this and that. That didn't really work. North Korea just kept on going the way it was going. Right. So then Barack Obama, he he stood in and he's he's the smart, calm, cool president in comparison to the last guy that was more aggressive. And he's like, I'm actually going to call my policy after what I'm going to do. It's strategic patience. I'm just going to let them calm down and then we'll deal with them when they're less angry. Hmm. It, it, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> it, North Korea is still just as bonkers as it always was. So... <laughs> Seems like we've tried everything. <laughs> well, to be honest, they kind of have. And now you got Trump in there and, oh, God, who knows Who knows what his coherent policy is so far. But if it, Have they tried going to the West Coast and just shaking their fists across the ocean? There's constantly um, shit going on between the US and North Korea that kind of makes things worse. Um, North Korea finds offense in lots of things, like things like the interview movie. They blame America specifically oh God, for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then also, like, genuine hurts to people where um, there was a, an American student arrested over there called Otto Warmbier. He was held in captivity for quite a while, had to admit in like a, a show trial essentially that he was an American spy and they released him and he died a week after being released. Mm. So yeah, that was, that was pretty recent and there's all sorts of crazy wacky shit like that going on that just keeps, always keeps a reason for North Korea to be in the news pissing off it's enough America. Hmm. It's really it's really difficult to try and gauge what the current Trump regime's approach is going to be to this. Like it seems that from the way the amount that Trump talks about North Korea, it seems to be that this is the foreign policy issue that he does consider the most important. Oh, um 
Did you just burp again? Yes. <laughs> Something about podcasting just brings out the belches. It's been a while, though, since you burped directly into the mic. Yes, and I tried. I was like, I can hold it back. And then when I finish my sentence, turn around and do it off. But no, it just popped oh, right up. You, you just know that right, right now, somewhere, Donald is shuddering and gagging. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> um, okay. Donald Trump has, like... he. ISIS was the whole thing that he talked about when he was doing his preparation for the president, like his campaign for the presidency. But he hasn't really talked about them so much. All of it seems to be talking about North Korea because he doesn't want to talk about Russia for other reasons. Um, of course. So he's even tweeted that he wants to meet Kim one on one for like negotiations because he's such a hot as shit negotiator that he can sort it all out if he just gets to talk to him, <laughs> which of course is fucking yeah. nuts. That's never going to happen. Yeah. So we're not really sure. Like, um, I think it was either Rex Tillerson or Mike Spence, them. Um, to the sensible people in his administration. One of them said that the era of strategic patience is over. Like they want to draw a line under what Obama's policy was and try something new, but we're not sure exactly what that new policy is. And if you want to imagine kind of how the dynamic between China and the USA work with uh, North Korea, the best way to imagine it is as kind of like a good cop, bad cop thing. So like mm-hmm. China are like holding back America going, look, look, you, you don't want to talk to my buddy here. He's crazy. He's doing to get him mad. He's, he wants to change your <laughs> yeah. regime, man. He, wa- he wants to freak you. He wants to take all your shit away. And then, and then like America jump in and go, you fucking, you give us what we want right now or we'll burn down your house. What? Oh, I don't think any bad cop in a good in a cop movie when they're doing good cop bad cop ever threatened to burn down the per- the perp's house. I know. I watch a pretty. In- That's like good cop mentally unstable cop. I watch some pretty intense cop shows, Richie. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's your impression of the good cop bad cop thing? In my head, it's just like good cop and lovely cop. <laughs> I don't have a bad cop bone in my body. <laughs> oh, Richie. Gross. That sounds gross. <laughs> Go on. Okay, so let's talk about nuclear weapons. Oh, God. North Korea are famous for them. Yeah. They love them. They love talking about them. They love trying to get them. And everyone loves talking about them and how the North Koreans try to get them. Mm -hmm. They've been trying to get them since the 90s. The Soviets actually helped the North Koreans build nuclear reactors for uh, power reasons way back when. So they've been using them for ages. But then when Kim Tu came to power, he decided to try to use these nuclear reactors to try and make nuclear weapons because he's seen that it's one of the best ways to try and guarantee... He thought it was one of the best ways to guarantee his regime to survive. Right. Um, and that immediately freaked out everyone. So that was part of the, the crisis talks in the 90s. And on and off, they've been agreeing to kind of stop and start, stop and start. But ultimately, the North Korean regime sees what happens when another, when another crackpot dictator decides to give up on their nuclear weapons. So Gaddafi, he tried to make them he done a deal he gave them up and look what happened to him he got wiped out mm-hmm. the apartheid regime in South Africa they were building them and then people were like whoa don't do that okay they went okay we gave them up a couple of decades like maybe even a couple of years later that regime was gone mm-hmm. whereas places like Israel and um, Pakistan India these kind of places that have developed their nuclear weapons he sees them and they and they seem an awful lot more stable mm-hmm. that's why North Korea go look we need these nukes and in 2006 they got them they, they successfully tested a proper nuke that I think they blow them up underground. Like in... in really? Big, yeah, in like mines. That sounds like how you wake up like Godzilla type shit. That doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, maybe, they're, maybe they have Godzilla. No one really knows. It's really hard to see what's going on in but there. But they blow them up underground. That sounds... That, I don't even understand that. That sounds crazy. Yeah, well, it's actually... It's, it's illegal to test nuclear weapons at the moment. 
Um, I don't think any of the normal um, governments, like the other, the non, like I think all the countries that have nuclear weapons at the moment, apart from North Korea, don't test them. Right. Because it's, it's, there's a ban on testing because people realize how dangerous it is to the atmosphere and to the environment. So yeah, and North Korea don't really have any tropical islands to blow them up on. And it's very difficult to, they can shoot them up into the sky and blow them up up there, but then it's kind of hard to, to properly gauge how powerful they are. So mm-hmm. they just literally dig a big hole, stick them in the ground, blow it up, and then test the Richter scale to see how powerful the bomb was. Jesus. Yeah. And they've done that a couple of times. Fucking hell. And because North Korea is so close relatively to China and South Korea, you're able, they are able to also gauge how powerful these nukes are as well, just through the vibrations. Yeah. So yeah, in 2006, they actually got weapons and that's when they got a lot more, everyone got a lot more serious about the potential danger coming from mm-hmm. them. And so it's not just a matter of getting nukes because you can have a nuclear weapon, but it's not really much good if it's just sitting in a box underneath your desk. You need to actually figure out a way to get it to your enemy. Yeah. And they can't really fly it in an airplane because once they take off and try to go to their target, they just get blown out of the sky by by whoever they're trying to attack, probably America mm-hmm. or China. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best way to launch a nuke is to stick it on top of a missile. But that's pretty difficult. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Over through the co- a couple of decades of testing, they have managed to pretty successfully um, build a massive arsenal of short and medium range missiles capable of launching a nuclear weapon, which puts them in striking range of everywhere up to China, up to Japan and most of China, all of South Korea, bits of Russia. Oh wow. And and all the and there's loads of American bases in there as well that are under target. So if they wanted to, they could launch a nuclear weapon and successfully strike a target within that range. Like they could down to a couple of miles. They they could they can hit them pretty solidly. Is there um a missile defense system in place where like you were saying like if they tried to to fly it out in a plane they'd be shot down is it just the speed at which a missile goes yeah. or the size of it that stops it being detectable like, I'm not sure there are missile shields and they've never really had to be tested like in a live environment yet because thankfully there never has been a nuclear warhead war but mm-hmm. apparently I've heard it been described as when you're trying to take down a missile it's like trying to shoot a bullet with a gun wow yeah so it's they I, and South, I think the Americans did build a missile shield in South Korea or wanted to recently, but the current South Korean regime has actually asked for it to be removed because China hate the idea of having a missile shield in South Korea because you're not only going to be able to then stop the missiles from North Korea, but you're going to be able to stop the missiles from China too. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of having nuclear weapons pointed at each other in terms of like the, the international theory is that you should be able to launch weapons and receive weapons so that encourages both countries not to launch them in the first place. Right. Whereas if China wasn't able to counterattack America, well then they think that's more of an incentive for America to potentially use them first. If you understand what I mean, like in that logic. Yeah. That's why countries, yeah, yeah. like it's the same. Um, America wanted to build missile shields in Poland to stop Russian or Iranian missiles, they said, but Russia freaked the fuck out because they're like, you can't, take away our ability to hit you because that encourages you to use your ability yeah. to hit us. That's the logic. Yeah, because the repercussions are gone. Yeah. yeah. North Korea keep on trying to build a proper long range missile and these things are called ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles, because the idea is that you can launch them from one continent and hit another. Oh Lord. They think that if they get one of them working with the capability to launch a nuclear weapon that can target the United States then that'll pretty much guarantee their regime because America would not be brave enough to try and attack them or take them down when they have the ability to directly attack the American homeland. Christ. But like if they did if they did attack the American homeland, surely North Korea would then just be wiped off the face of the earth. Like the, the repercussions from that, like is that in itself not an incentive to 
not use a long-range missile, even if they did have it. The whole point is to have it as a second strike capability. Oh, okay. So North Korea want to have one in their justification, not necessarily to attack first, but to discourage America from trying to attack first. Okay, okay. So the threat is, is you attack us, we launch our nuke and we blow up one of your cities. Okay. So yes, you will annihilate us, but... By the time you finish annihilating us, we'll have taken out your city. And maybe a couple of cities if they keep on managing to build these. Right, okay. So this year, on July the 4th, they successfully tested an ICBM missile straight up into the air. And they, it was called the uh, Wasong-14. It's an actual intercontinental ballistic missile that can shoot up into the air. And the thing about the, that makes these um, things so tricky compared to short-range missiles is that an intercontinental ballistic missile is actually three or four missiles stacked on top of each other. So the first one gets it off the ground, the second one gets it onto the trajectory, and the third one keeps it going until it goes there. Mm. So you just you have to get the entire thing perfectly right, or else you're basically just launching, I don't know, a water balloon into the middle of nowhere. A pretty damn fucking dangerous water yeah, balloon. Yeah, that's true, but like... There's a whole lot of ocean between North Korea and the United States, so you want to make sure that you want to at least hit somewhere decent. And plus, when you get to the right. United States, you want to you don't want to just like launch in Eastern California where there's no people. You want to try and hit one of those cities. Yeah, they think that they 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 have proven that they can launch an ICBM, but the problem is the Pentagon is still pretty confident that they're not they're not able to put a nuclear weapon on top of it because that complicate that complicate things more by having like mm-hmm. this counterbalance on top of it. But they're nearly there. They keep on making these big leaps. And getting further, and closer you, and closer to you, the ability to like to have a nuclear missile that can hit America. Yeah, and you said they test this on July fourth. Yeah, and Kim. Is there any symbolism behind that? Well, they, they said it was an Independence Day present for America. They said that. <laughs> they did say that. Yeah. Like, who's like? How did they say this? They have a media that that broadcasts the world. Oh my god! They may even have a Twitter account. I'm not sure. Jesus they Christ, have you. They put terrifying. they put videos on YouTube. I saw. So I did a bit of research into the Korean media because uh, before before the episode because I want to know like what kind of tv do they watch like what's their media consumption diet look like and it's fucking terrifying yeah like you say it's just that one network and it's all like they were saying that there's a series i was reading the guardian article that was saying they have serious problems with like repeating movies and stuff because the catalog of stuff that's approved to show is so damn limited because it has to meet certain it has to meet an agenda of being pro-government being very nationalistic being being very pro-socialist just like a whole but like there's this whole checklist of things that needs to meet if it doesn't meet like there's someone in the government who shuts down the production at like the writing stage not even you know the edit or whatever i didn't even think that they um, had their own movie production facilities but then again I, I heard that kim too was a huge fan of hollywood movies right and had like a massive catalog of like film reels of, of Hollywood movies. They have like they have their own stuff like there was I was reading about there's a TV drama about like a construction worker who was really disillusioned because he felt like he was failing his family because his company was failing and he ended up finding strength from the the national newspaper that had a picture of Kim Tu's face on it like that's that was the third act <laughs> resolution you know like it's it's that's literally what, what it said in the article yeah um, I mean, it's that kind of thing Whenever I see a photograph of my national leader, that just buys me up and makes me want to get on my day. And, that, and that's why you're such a successful businessman. <laughs> uh, and there was other, like there was a while back where they, 80% of the the stuff that was broadcast was on music videos because the K1 or K2 um, didn't like the, that government officials' faces were shown in the news and stuff. And so he wanted to just like limit it entirely to just music videos because that's you know, not dangerous. You're not like revealing anything. Oh, that way. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so the diet changed over to like just being 80% music videos, but then they're slowly being introducing, um, 
dramas and stuff because you can actually get persecuted for if you watch a South Korean drama which there's a lot of that's like a thriving industry right now if you're in North Korea and you watch something from South Korea you can be you can be um, I don't know what the punishment is for it but you can be punished for it if they find out and apparently that's like a big thing yeah because if you have the technology you can receive transmissions from the outside world mm-hmm. um, like it's because like there's probably like there is international phone signals flying across the border um, there's like satellite signals coming from space there's there's local, there's radio transmissions coming from South Korea as well. Mm-hmm. And not only that, sometimes South Korea put a whole lot of propaganda onto a balloon and send it over so they can like hopefully get some literature over to the North to try and tell people about the terrible place really? they live in. Yeah. And then North... There's a literal balloon that yeah. they just But then send over. North Korea responds by putting garbage onto a balloon and sending it south. Oh my God. So then, oh, and uh, it's, it's probably worth mentioning that Seoul, the capital of uh, South Korea, like a massive city of nearly 10 million people, it's pretty much right on the border. So oh, wow. these trash balloons, they, like, they, they make it into the suburbs. <laughs> Of so oh you could just be sitting there in the back, like reading a book or playing some Starcraft or yeah. whatever a South Korean likes to do with their time. And then a whole load of North Korean garbage just falls on your head. Just a bunch of pictures of Kim looking angry. Oh. Sounds awful. Or you yeah, a bunch of books are from the North, so swings and roundabouts, I guess. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning as well that even though we've been talking about the nuclear threat, North Korea have enough regular bombs pointed at Seoul to blow it up within a couple of minutes. The entire The entire city could be leveled. Terrifying stuff. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. My brother was actually there recently enough and that, that was on my mind because I think it was just as Trump was starting his tirade against them and I was like, ah oh, man, imagine if my brother was there when they decided to press the button and start it all. Yeah, and you and you like your brother. Yeah, he's pretty okay. Like he's, you know? he's yeah, you, you think he's fairly alright. I was so actually been... he's not he's he's back from his world travels and uh, I was gonna get him on the podcast today, but he's not around today. But um he, he wanted to go see the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, because it is a tourist attraction that you can go and see from the from the south side. But oh, really? he arrived in on a Friday and you have to apply for uh, an, an entry visa two days in advance from a special office mm-hmm. and it doesn't it didn't open on Mondays uh, and they had to le- they had to leave Seoul on Wednesday so yeah. they, it just didn't work out and he, he was really disappointed well he would have been a shit guest then wouldn't he if- yeah <laughs> well, that, so I'm glad he's not here I was going to get him to tell that story <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful non-story that would have been <laughs> oh yeah here's another little factoid the uh, demilitarized zone apparently is one of the world's best nature reserves really yeah, because it's like this massive stretch of land that's been basically uninhabited by people because they're a threat of being murdered by the other side. That wildlife has just had a chance to, like, live without human annoyance. Oh, yeah. God, humans are shite, aren't we? Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> we, we covered that in the last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll think we'll cover that in every episode, to be honest. That's true. Um, cool. Is there anything else? Do you have any, like, closing, closing thoughts yourself? Uh, yeah, the future. So... The future. This kind of political instability is is not very sustainable. Right. It, usually, usually in history, when someone acts this nuts for this long, something eventually will give and it'll all come mm-hmm. tumbling down. Mm-hmm. And when that does happen, it is not going to be pretty. For everyone? Or yes. for like a couple, like four or five people? No, for most people within that region. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so okay. the best hope is that they figure out a way to get rid of Kim 3 and transition the same way that China or like Cuba or somewhere like that managed to do from from pariah to to stable member of the world order. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can criticize America and its world order all you want, but it's probably it, that would be a better solution than North Korea entirely falling over and a massive civil war or a full on war with South Korea and China erupting. Yeah, and with, millions of people dying. And with Trump being in charge of the American side too, probably wouldn't be great. No. 
Have you heard that uh, the basketball player Dennis Rodham is big friends with Kim? Tweet? Yeah, I've heard about this. He was like yeah. a, a faux ambassador kind of deal. He's actually the closest link that the United States has with North Korea. <laughs> so crazy. Because he's, he's also friends with Trump. Give the give, go, give the backstory just for people who don't know about it. I'm not even like he's this nuts former NBA player who for I don't know how, but he is friends with the North Korean regime and he's visited there a couple of times and he brings yeah. a big cohort of international media with him as well. So the whole thing is pretty well documented, and it's one of the rare occasions that you get to see the inside working of the North Korean regime. But the last time he was there, which was recently enough, he brought a copy of the Art of the Deal to give to Kim 3. Oh man. Because he wants Was his, this Trump's idea or was this I don't know. I don't know because he is also friends with Trump apparently and I, I don't know if Dennis just wants his two buddies to get along so all three of them could like watch basketball together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure. Imagine if that was the thing that that just solved the whole conflict. Yeah, that, solved everything. That would be great. Yeah. Well, yeah, anything at all. We'll take anything. Oh yeah, and I got one little one that I have to I can't let away. Um you know the online gaming platform Steam? Yes, I do. There is one Steam account in North Korea. No way! In in Pyongyang. No way! Pyongyang. Shit, I totally mispronounced the capital city. Pyongyang. That's crazy. Yeah, I really hope he plays Civ, and I really hope that I play against him when I play Civ. You can you imagine? That would be so awesome. <laughs> oh man, Do, like is there any? I assume there's nothing else known about this. It's just there's one active. Yeah, it was it was a, it was like a photograph of active users across the world, and like each like dot was like a symbol of the user. So obviously, it's pure white in in Europe and America. Yeah, yeah. And then in like the less populated areas, just dots. So it could have been Photoshop. Oh, <laughs> it might have just been this. It might have just been the Steam Reddit community like slapping their own back. But uh, I really I hope know. that it was I an actual an actual ping yeah. from inside in North God, Korea. That'd be great, man. I hope he's playing like player known's battleground. Just so I hope he's having a good old time. Yeah, well, like something really nice and quirky, City Skylines or something like that. So, Steve, are you, how optimistic, pessimistic are you about something bad happening? Like, what, do you have, like, any predictions yourself, like, on a personal take? Well, that was my personal take. When this kind of instability is ongoing, it doesn't end well. Okay. But in saying that, North Korea has been like that since the 90s, so just because something hasn't happened before doesn't mean it can't happen now. So maybe they just will keep on going the way they're going. To be honest, like, I mean, obviously I don't live there, so it doesn't affect me, but... The idea of the regime falling and the chaos that'll happen afterwards is pretty, it would be pretty devastating. Like there's a lot riding on something going wrong there. Yeah. So hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. Fuck, I'm so sick of just ending on shitty, sad notes. Well, that's why we have the segment, What I'm Keeping You Sane. Oh, What I'm Keeping You Sane. What is keeping you sane, Steve? Uh, it is political, but I think you'll forgive oh, for me. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I, no, you'll forgive me because it's so fucking brilliant. Okay, I'm I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, especially the movies. I love I like nerd it. happily. My brother brought me back uh, um, like the map from the story that Bilbo drew, draws in his book. He brought yeah. me that back, and I'm going to get a frame. There and back again, Steve. It's called There and Back Again. I'm also a nerd. That's the book, though. But the map that's in the book. Yeah, you said his story. It's okay, called There and Back Again. Excuse me. Pardon me, forgive me. He brought me that back from Hobbiton, where they actually have the set in New Zealand. No way. So I, it is the map from the movie, of course. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get that frame to put up on my wall. So that's not actually the story. The story is, oh. <laughs> uh, did you see Andy Serkis on the Stephen Colbert show? Yes, where he's doing the, the Gollum impersonations. Yeah, where he reads he reads Trump tweets as Gollum. He reads two yeah. tweets. It's, it was so good. I've watched that so many times. I loved it. It was fantastic. I'm going to put an audio clip in right no. Yeah. Yeah. 
despite the constant negative press. Kafuffy. <laughs> wait, wait. Wait. What's Kafuffy, precious? No one knows. <laughs> What's keeping you sane, Richie? Um, what's keeping me sane? Well, Game of Thrones is back. Um, I'm not. I have two because uh, I won't go too much into Game of Thrones because uh, do we want to say that we're? Do you want to do a little bit of sizzle and say that we're going to be doing a Game of Thrones episode? Yeah, there's a bit of yeah. sizzle. We're we're going to do a Game of Thrones episode. Bandwagon time. <laughs> yeah, because no one's talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Someone has to talk about it. Someone's got to be the one to talk about this little indie show. And not just that, but like, I was like, oh, we're going to be so original and cool talking about politics of Game of Thrones. The fucking New York Times did an op-ed on Sunday ahead of Who the episode. Who reads the New York Times anyway? Fake news. Fake news. Fake news, that's it. Wait till our hot take on it. That'll be the real the real facts right there. Uh, yeah, no, I, was, I watched the first episode there on Monday and I got around to watching it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I'm Everyone's losing their fucking minds about Ed Sheeran being on it. What yeah, did you think of that? that was pretty, was your, ugh, it was pretty stupid. It was a bit, it was a bit stupid. Like, it, it's, it's a nothing thing. So I don't understand why people are freaking out about it. Like, yeah, he was a bit wooden, but he's a singer. So like... Why are people so vitriolic about it? I don't know. It just, for me, it, it, it like broke the, what's the word? Oh yeah. It was very much like he wasn't, it's just, that's just Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Like that's not a Lannister or whoever. That's just, that's just Ed Sheeran. What's the term for when you're watching something or you're engrossed in something and you're like, you don't want to be taken out of it. Like it break, it broke your link to the fantasy. Broke the fourth wall. Yeah. It was kind of like, it was a big breaking of the fourth wall because that fucking Ed Sheeran singing, that's just a cameo. Why is, That's like, just, yeah. It, it was the same, actually. They'd done it before with Sigur Ross. And I was like, what the fuck is Sigur Ross doing here playing Sigur Ross uh, yeah, music? The Sigur Ross, but like they were doing the Reigns of Castamere and they were all dressed up and it was re- they were only there really in passing. Yeah. But with like Ed Sheeran's big ginger head was just there on the campfire. You just could not look at him. But have you heard who else is going to be in this season? No. Uh, Conor McGregor. What? He's going to be one of the, uh, the Greyjoy Viking dudes. Really? Yeah. Man, I'm so fatigued on that guy. I'm just... Ah, oh, he's fucking making a heap of himself with all this shite about the fight. Yeah, it's just... Uh, um, I don't know what I, I hate more. Like, I don't, I don't I don't hate Conor McGregor. I just hate how he you carries better not. on. He come around and beat you up. Yeah, exactly. Um, But like his whole attitude and the whole, all this like chauvinistic showmanship just really irks me. But then also like the fucking people who appear in my Facebook feed who just worship him and all of the Joe.ie and lad Bible posts that are talking about how great he is. I just, yeah. I'm just sick. I'm just fatigued on the whole Conor McGregor thing. I've got no buy-in to watching MMA or boxing, so I just don't really care. And yeah, I've actually started like unfollowing on Facebook the, the, the pages that keep on giving me that crap just to make yeah. sure that I don't have to look at it. I'd like, you know, everything to your own. Just don't dominate the entire fucking culture for a month just because you're going to go into a fight with this 40-year-old dude. Anyway, yes, yeah, so that was keeping me sane. I'm also reading uh, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atterwood. Oh, nice. How's that going? Uh, it's, it's, it's fucking fantastic. I just love her writing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I read the Arcs and Craig trilogy pretty recently as well. Um, it's great. I want to read the, watch the Hulu things, but I wanted to read the, the book first. So yeah, it's great. I, it's, it's super harrowing stuff. Like, I watch the TV show, so I'm actually probably not going to bother with the book because I've got like thousands of other books to read. Yeah, apparently and, the TV show is pretty true to form as well. So Yeah, and it was it was really well made. There was only one bad thing about it, and that's Joseph Fiennes because he's just a terrible, terrible actor. There's <laughs> no Ed Sheeran. Oh my god! Well, his his brother must have like beaten him up all the time when they were teenagers and taken all the acting juice because Jesus Christ, there's nothing left over for that guy. 
Oh my god. He's I, I always wonder why you don't see more of him because he was in that big movie Shakespeare in Love back in the day. Yeah. yeah. But then like he disappeared and then I see him in something like this and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's why." Oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, but everyone else is fucking brilliant though and they make yeah. up for him. And that's probably why he stands out as being not great as well because everyone else is yeah. just so good. Okay, I can't wait to, to give that a watch. Is that it? Is that us? That's it. Um, I'm all- Steve. I'm so fucking hot in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I did not read because we've had the windows open since we moved in here and I did not realize how much of an issue it was to keep them closed. Holy shit. Like, do you still have to sleep with the windows open and everything? Uh, I leave them open right until I'm about to go sleep and I get up and and I close them. And by that point, it's nighttime and it's fine. Yeah, you want to do that Um, because it'll stop the the chimney sweeps from coming in and breaking into song when you're trying to sleep. (laughs) The queen comes in the middle of the night and then if she bites you, you turn into the queen. And I don't want that to happen. No, <laughs> but you yeah. kind of you all you still kind of look like yourself, but you just have like curly gray hair and well, big no, glasses. It's just, like, it's just at the full moon, so it's not too bad. All oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and I just had my I had my usual like pre podcast shower, but now I'm already like super sweaty. I don't know. I was probably right, no this need, is probably this no is, need for that, was there? This probably is perfect, no need for this that is perfect timing to cut off because there's a car alarm going off in your background too. Oh yeah, listen to that. No, that's 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 the proximity alarm I set up for the Queen. She's on her <laughs> way, Steve. Oh God. Okay, you quickly do the social stuff while I try and just keep an eye out. Okay. Um, please follow us on Twitter at What Am Politics. Uh, check out the Facebook page too. Feel free to contact us on either. And um, we have an email address: whatampolitics at gmail She's scaling the wall. Hurry up! Hurry up! If you want to send us a message on these things, we we, we of course openly welcome you to disagree with us. But please do not put in the subject of your of your comment hate because, like, I mean, just disagree. You don't have to hate. That's part of the reason. Oh yeah, why, I forgot about that. That's part of the reason why politics is so messed up these days. Is that everyone gets so vitriolic and aggressive with each other. If you agree with us, absolutely. We've had so many fantastic comments from people who wanted to tell us their point of view that isn't the same as ours, and we one hundred percent take it on board and listen to you. And but if you start your comments by just telling us how much you hate our content and us, it's very hard <laughs> to take you seriously from the rest of it after that. Yeah, I remember when, like, when that email came in, it just said, hey, it's like, oh, wow. but then, <laughs> I wonder how this is going to go. Not only that, but the rest of his argument was actually like relatively well formed. I mean, I didn't well, agree it with it. Out, it but, started out relatively well formed and it really fell apart towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like we were, uh, yeah, we've, it, we've, we've, we've read out the kind of things that agreed with him that put it better. So we won't have to read this one. But anyway, yeah. Despite that, please do get in contact with us. It doesn't just have to be lovely, nice messages. You can tell us things that you don't agree with us too but just don't say hate that's all yeah, you have to yeah. do just don't say hate yeah exactly and we would actively encourage people to, to uh, come in with a different perspective as well because that's yeah. the whole the whole point of this if you got a pro um, if you have a pro North Korean perspective I'd love to hear you say that <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting for you Kim you can find me on my Steam account Stephen Byrne <laughs> I'll take you on and save any time Kim 3 I know oh, that's you Kim 3 you always, you always play as Korea. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Okay, well, the queen is staring at me through the window, so I'm gonna go. Okay, just, <laughs> just give her, just give her some bangers and give her your banger and match. Give, Jesus Christ. See you, Richie. Bye. <laughs>